We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire. Joining me tonight is my co-host, managing editor at the Beast, that is NinersNation.com, KP, Kyle Posey. How are you doing, bro? How are you feeling post-4th of July? So, was it just, I know it wasn't just me, but in your area, where the fireworks just like outrageously loud this year. Oh yeah, it was, man. It was Outrageous. almost like we were making up for last year. Right. Yeah. It was, it was hardcore. Dude, I was laughing my ass off because I'm a, I'm on that. Have you ever heard of the next door or the neighbor app or the next door app, whatever it's called? There's a uh, girl. My girlfriend signed us up for this neighborhood app or whatever. It's basically like a Facebook for neighbors that are in your, and it's divided up in the neighborhood. And I'm like, I live in, Northwest Fresno, which is Central California, which is considered, it's kind of like the nicer area of town. And I just got lucky in the fact that I was able to find an affordable house here. Very low crime. And it's so funny to see these like, like middle-aged white adults. You can say post Post on this site. (laughs) I can't tell if it's, okay, during like the the window of July 1st to July 5th, (laughs) and they're on their posting, I can't tell if this is fireworks or gunfire. And I want to reply every time, ma'am, you live in Northwest Fresno. There is a 99.9% chance that it are it is fireworks. <laughs> like what else would it be doing during this time? When else have you ever right. heard anything like this? Come on, like, man. I just here. I've gone years here and I might have heard what may have been coming from a guy who owns firearms, one gunshot. And these people during the early July just can't grasp the idea that people are going to set off fireworks. Look, I get it. People have pets. Fireworks can be an enormous pain in the ass. But it's like two or three days a year out of 365. Like people just get so upset at fireworks and it it's hilarious to me. You have to know it's coming. There's no way you don't know it's coming. 
if you go to the store during this time, you walk in the door and there are fireworks right there, no matter where you go. So yeah, it's, it's there even the little firework booths are all spread out throughout the town here. Like it's like, it, it blows my mind that people just seem genuinely shocked at the idea that people are setting off fireworks. And I'm like, just chill out. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. I'm in North Scottsdale, know, which as you can imagine is a nicer part of town as well. And I had some, somebody told me if this doesn't stop by 11 o'clock, I'm calling the cops. Come on, man. You can't do that. What are the cops going to do? <laughs> Drive around in circles listening to all the fireworks, like hoping to catch them? Give me that. Give me that. Like, I know, man. I know. And the cops are the ones that wish they could be off work lighting off fireworks. Like Exactly. It's just – it's crazy, man. It's crazy. People get so upset. I'm like, guys, it's like two or three days a year. Just prepare for it and relax. Put on some music. Put on a loud movie. Everything will be good. There'll just be a few little extra sound effects here and there. But anyways, man, 4th of July was fun. Got to hang out with family. Got to do some barbecue and got to uh, do all these stereotypical, typical, stereotypical. Great word. Are you texting right now? Somebody hit me up. That was very important. And it had to do with well, put, your, put your phone on silent. Oh, yes. so I, I can't hear you. I'm like, am I hearing that? Hey, this is an authentic pod, okay? Real life <laughs> right. things happen. We're not going to hide it from you. Um, so anyways, my 4th of July was good, but like I said, hilarious. Always funny, that that side of things. But on the 49ers side of town, we were, I would very much say, gifted with a absolutely fantastic Kyle Shanahan guest starring on the Flying Coach podcast with Peter Schrager and Rams head coach Sean McVay. And that's Peter Schrager of the Good Morning Football um, show on the NFL Network. And like I said, absolutely gifted to a tremendous, about an hour and 15 minutes of Kyle Shanahan talking his football journey, uh, obviously mostly through the 49ers with the Rams head coach, Sean McVay, and Peter Schrager. So, I mean, KP and I have already kind of talked about it. We are literally just going to bounce things off each other back and forth, talk about parts of this. If you haven't listened to it, you need to check it out. Don't just listen to us right now. Talk about it. Um, everybody listening to this podcast probably knows how entertaining it is to listen to Kyle Shanahan talk about football, and it definitely lived up to that kind of standard. So if you're listening to us talk about it, and haven't heard it yet, at least head on over there and check it out because it's well, well, well worth your time. Um, just two very, very, very smart football individuals talking about football, and it's it's very, very entertaining. So like I said, KP and I just kind of decided, hey, man, there was a lot of stuff in here. Let's just bounce back and forth and talk about the things that were interesting to us. So that is what we're going to do. So without further ado, KP, man, like obviously you have your, your choice of the litter. What what about that conversation stood out to you? Stood out to you the most? I mean, I th- I think you could tell right away that it was genuine. Like these two are buddies, these two are bros, and they could just shoot the shit with each other, and they were comfortable talking to each other and sharing all kind of information. Um, so when Kyle Shanahan talked about Matthew Stafford, and he was upset, you could it was almost palpable. You could tell that he he wanted. I don't know if you know he was his number one choice this whole offseason, but. He just wanted Matthew Stafford. He was impressed when he watched Matthew Stafford, and he said as much. He said he was underrated. And he, it kind of 
you know, it kind of got to him when he found out that he was going to uh, a division rival and not just a division rival, a division rival whose head coach is Sean McVay. And I think that kind of probably got the, the ball rolling to make a move in the draft. But I think the big part was how just the Matthew Stafford and Kyle Shannon told us he came out that he was a little torn up about it. What what did you think about that? Because we talked a little bit about it before we got started, where it wasn't necessarily like new information, but it was just more confirmation that, oh, yeah, Stafford was a real thing because it's it's been bouncing back and forth all offseason, whether the 49ers had like legitimate interest. Right. Yeah. So essentially the way Kyle breaks it down is he was made aware that Matthew Stafford could or was available. And the moment that happened, Kyle Shanahan said that he hadn't done much. I don't know. He hadn't followed Matthew Stafford very much until he found out that he could be available. So he said that he studied Matt Stafford for a couple a couple weeks and, you know, came away impressed, said he was underrated, um, you know, really sounded like he, he came away with, you know, just somebody that could definitely – uh, do what he wanted to do on offense. He specifically mentioned how he behaved on play action plays that he was really impressed with. Knows where and to go so with the been, football was another big one that stood out. Right. And I think the big thing in terms of being upset that he went to the NFC West and that he went to the Rams was he, uh, Kyle Shanahan has to know how much Jared Goff was holding back Sean McVay's offense. Yes. I, I'm, you know, the way that he studies the film of games to come and games that are past. It doesn't take a keen football eye to see how many throws that Jared Goff was leaving on the table, how many plays. So I'm sure there was, there was one whole element that Kyle Shanahan was just pissed off that the Rams got a quarterback that was better than Jared Goff that can actually do favors for Sean McVay rather than the other way around. And at one point, Kyle said that he got, he taught, I can't remember who he said he talked to, um, that told him that he had time to kind of look over a uh, Matthew Stafford film that wasn't a rush. It wasn't going to happen soon. And if I'm not mistaken, he said he got a call the very same day from someone saying, if you want Matthew Stafford, you need to call him now, now. like right now. And he was like, what do you mean? I just talked to somebody else who said I had time. And that person was like, nope, you don't have time. If you want him, call him now. And he didn't say that he called him or anything, but he did say that 30 minutes later, Matthew Stafford was traded. That was it. And it was just, I mean, it sounded like it was, obviously you had his two weeks of studying and then the actual process of Matthew Stafford being traded seemed like it happened pretty quick. At one point it was, no, you got time and then boom, it was over with. So uh, obviously that process happened really fast. And then there's the other reports that we kind of gotten since then. One saying the 49ers were never in on Stafford at all. Another saying that the 49ers weren't necessarily in a hurry, which kind of correlates with what Shanahan said. But then when they did call, they were told that the price had basically grown beyond what they were comfortable with. Um, those are both reports, and, and I apologize for not knowing exactly who put those out. I should have looked that up beforehand. Um, so it, was, it wasn't like, like KP said. It wasn't necessarily new information, but it was definitely interesting. And to me, the biggest takeaway from it was Kyle Shanahan just being upset that Sean McVay now has a real NFL quarterback. And uh, I can get that because he went on to, and this could kind of blend into another point. It certainly wasn't my one of the more interesting ones for me, but I guess it was pretty interesting now that I think about it, is Kyle Shanahan kind of talking about the dynamic of being in the NFC West and 
everything feeling like an arms race. And if like you don't get someone, someone else in your division is going to get him. And balancing like the proper way to build a team or what they feel is the proper way to build a team versus pulling the trigger because you're afraid that somebody else in the NFC West will. You know, it was kind of a cool way to listen to hear. And they both agreed that it's just a crazy dynamic being a division like that. And the fact that they have to constantly balance keeping someone else away from a division opponent or overdoing it to the point of, you know, they're to where they're investing too much in a player that may compromise what they're trying, how they're trying to build the team. So yeah, the Stafford stuff was definitely interesting, but then I thought it was also interesting how they, and obviously it relates to it, how they talked about the dynamic of just trying to keep pace in a division like that. Uh, The the person that they were speaking about, Kyle said Condon, that's Tom Condon, that's Stafford's agent. That's like one of the biggest agents in the game. So he was getting direct, it wasn't secondhand information. It wasn't, he said, she said, it was coming from the direct source. So I think that just tells you, you know, the Stafford thing was real, or he was at least interested the fact that he got that. But yeah, that was another part where, because they they talked about Julio and, you know, how. Yeah, he directly mentioned Julio. Yeah, we might have to go get, or if, if Julio's going to go anywhere and if he's going to be in the NFC West, make sure it's us so he doesn't go to Sean McVay. And that they kind of talked about that, how when they're talking about players and dealing with certain players that we can't let him go to the rival because he mentioned all the coaches, whether it's Sean McVay, whether it's Cliff Kingsbury, whether it's Pete Carroll, how they're all generally aggressive. And uh, that's just the balance. But th- it makes the division fun. And uh, it- it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Part of me, because now we have the Stafford Rams and now we have – Trey Lance eventually for the 49ers. A part of me thinks that that rivalry is going to outgrow um, the 49ers Seahawks. And I'm not saying that's going to happen in 2021. And obviously Stafford is 33 years old, but I just think that there's so much talent on both rosters that that's going to be the marquee game um, in the NFC West over the next few years. What do you think about that? Uh, I can believe it. I can believe it because and, – and it also has to do with the fact that the Seahawks have, at least last year, seemed like they're kind of taking slow and steady steps backwards. Right. And you can never you can never necessarily count on that because in the end they have Russell Wilson and, and they're going to live and die by the plays he does or doesn't make. That's just the way it is. That's the whole – like that's the whole package. It's always been like, like that, right? You know, Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf are very, very talented. You know, I, like there's no doubting that. But they can be completely neutralized by whatever Russell Wilson does and doesn't do. And obviously, you can say that about any quarterback. But it it always seems like really like unbalanced with Russell Wilson. Like either he's gonna it's gonna he's gonna be on fire and it's gonna look bad and they're gonna blow somebody out, or it's just gonna look like they're not they have no idea what they're doing. It's a weird dynamic in Seattle. So. And with all the kind of off-season rumors about him just being generally unhappy about being there, that apparently got fixed, that I doubt got fixed. Again, can't count them out as long as they have Russell Wilson, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Rams, with Stafford, at least for the few more years that he's going to play. I don't know how long Stafford's going to play, um, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they were like the 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 team to worry about. Can we take you a sidebar I'm not sure here? the Cardinals have heard that yet, but... Yeah, of course, bro. So, yeah, that's what we do. Do whatever we want. (laughs) There was a, speaking of the Seahawks, there was a a tweet going around asking, who is the most underrated receiver in the NFL? And naturally, everybody says Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett has a $75 million contract, or it's it's either (laughs) between $69 million and $75 million. 
The last two seasons, he's gone over 1,000 yards. In 2018, he had 965 yards. He's probably one of the 12 best receivers in the NFL. Why are we still acting like he's underrated? That is just so dumb and lazy to me because he's really freaking good and everybody knows it. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I think I've even said that before. Like, I don't know, man. It's just that may, maybe, and this isn't really a key to being underrated. You know, maybe it's because he doesn't get talked about among the mess, among the best. But like I said, that doesn't necessarily mean you're underrated. Like, it just means you're not one of like the top three, which that's not an indictment of anything. Ever. So, um, I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, I, if you were asking who I felt the most underrated receiver in the NFL was, I don't know. I, I, I'd have to think on that. Yeah. I wouldn't have an. I don't know the answer to that either. I think there's going to be like some breakout. There's obviously, you know, different breakout candidates every year. Um, I'm thinking about that, but I don't think that there is. But anyway, back to the 49ers. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, he did say that the 49ers weren't his first choice on paper. And that, that was wild. Yeah. Um, did you, did you hear him say that? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I said he almost canceled the interview. Yeah, because he was tired. <laughs> I love that. Well, the the interview was, I mean, he said it was during the middle of the two weeks preparing for the Super Bowl, didn't he? Yeah, that is true. He said that he was in the middle of preparing. And I, for some reason, I thought they weren't they weren't allowed to hire him until after the Super Bowl. But I think it was right after. And another little tiny sidebar. Have any, have you, KP, have you seen the picture of what Abraham looked like? Abraham Lincoln looked like when he became the president versus shortly before he was assassinated. No. Okay. You have to check it out. I'll text it to you. The man looks like he aged at least. He looks like he aged like 30 years just because of the extreme stress he was under on the job. Obviously the guy that just had to, you know, lead for the most part, lead the charges to free slaves probably and, and quarterback a civil war. Probably wasn't the most uh, stress-free job, but a couple of things going um, on in his life. There, yeah, there's the same kind of thing, and not obviously not as extreme. But you got to look at what Kyle Shanahan looked like when the 49ers hired him. Because oh, I've, I've definitely seen feel, that. You feel like you're looking at like his his senior picture, like or something. <laughs> like he's just so cleaned up, and maybe they airbrush it and touch it up a little bit. But now you look at Kyle Shanahan with the beard, with got the silver the fox, yeah. The you know you got the 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 cheeks that have kind of started to drop just a little bit, and he just looks like he's been through it, man. And when I saw when I when I actually paid attention to that, I was like, man, it reminds me of that Abraham Lincoln picture, which is I'll send it to you. It's it's if you're listening to this. When you even have any sort of an appreciation for it, it's mind blowing. He literally looks like thirty years older in a matter of like three or four years. I think um, might have been five because I know he was reelected. But um, so yeah, it was wild to hear Kyle Shanahan talk about that. Like he said, he was in the midst of preparing for the Super Bowl. He was exhausted. He uh, and the Forty ers weren't his first choice. So and he had done other interviews. And when time came, time came to do the 49ers one, he said that he was just exhausted and wanted to sleep. And he even said that he slept for like 30 minutes, heard the door close, knowing that Jed York and Prague were, Marate were on their way up. And he like hopped up, put his suit on real quick, did his hair. And what, what even, what was even more interesting about that was the fact that Jed York, who a lot of 49ers fans, not, not so much recently because he's shown clear improvement and maturity but 
a lot of 49ers fans don't like Jed York or, or didn't like Jed York, hated Jed York, thought he was a huge reason behind all the coaching changes and all the problems and Harbaugh leaving. And what Kyle Shanahan just straight up said is Jed York is what won him over and how genuine the conversation was. I thought another cool tidbit was Kyle Shanahan talking about how Jed York said, there's only like five or six football teams in the NFL that are like genuinely trying to win all the time. And nice. the rest, he said, are just kind of trying to get by and, and survive. And maybe they'll, they'll hit, you know, they'll, they'll get lucky. But, and obviously he thinks the 49ers are one of those teams that are, that are just, and I can kind of buy that in a way, just given, you know, you have like the NFL star teams, you know, right. like Cowboys. Cowboys, 49ers, uh, obviously the Patriots made themselves one. Uh, the New York Giants, um, there's uh, probably a couple. Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah, these just those teams that are just kind of like, you know, they built a brand of winning. And they're even, it's even a ratings thing, you know, like 49ers games dr- bring in very, very, very good ratings. So it's, it was cool to for Kyle to say, kind of openly say, like, look, I didn't really want to go to the 49ers. They had a bottom tier. They had a, they had a bottom of the league offense. They had a bottom of the league defense. They've been through three head coaches in three years. They don't have a good quarterback. To voluntarily overlook those things, obviously he gets to go to a place that he has some, some past with in his family. But sure. really kind of just chalking it up to Jed York and Prague really like – Selling him on the idea that no, they they they're for real and they they're in this to win. And Kyle Shanahan said they addressed every one of his concerns about the job, gave him everything he wanted in terms of contract, helping choose the GM, the number of years. Obviously, I'm sure the amount of money was in there. I don't know, man. I, I hopefully I didn't just take every talking point you had, but what did no, you think I, about that? Because it was that was just Kyle being genuine again. Every time something, a topic comes up, whether we're talking about something that happens on the field or just his relationship with, you know, choosing the job and how Jed York, how you mentioned, I think that just tells you he's just an honest individual and he's not going to pull any punches. He, he t- talked about how bad the roster was. He even cited like 31st in offense, 32nd on defense or something like that, where uh, like, man, like why would you take the job? But you, you talked about it, just the nostalgia, man, that's real. And is that going to change anytime soon? Because, yeah, the 40, like he did a great job, you know, turning the roster over, taking them to the Super Bowl. And, you know, obviously there's been a lot of bad injury luck, but the 49ers really haven't been like a name name in the NFL for a while. They went, you know, the Harbaugh years were good, but before then it was a long time since they were good. So uh, the 49ers, I imagine, they're here to stay in the NFL, and that's not going to change ever. Would you agree with that? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's there's there seems to be a standard there, you know, like obviously they haven't met that standard outside of a few seasons for the last 20 something years, but it, it it's almost like it's a weird thing. Like when the Browns suck, everybody's like, "Well, yeah, it's the Browns." Like right. and then when they've done good, it's like, "Oh shit, here they come." You know, like it's cool to see the Browns do well, but it's like when the 49ers suck, everybody's like, "What are they doing?" You know, like it's almost like it's looked at it in like a different frame. Like they're supposed to be good and they just keep fucking it up over and over. And that's kind of a little bit of what Kyle Shanahan has been given with less of the spotlight on him. Like Kyle Shanahan's 49ers are supposed to be good, but bad shit just keeps happening to them. And 
obviously that could be an oversimplification in a lot of areas, but I feel like they've Kyle Shanahan has been given that the 49ers are supposed to be good. The 49ers should be good. They could be good, but all this, 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 and this is happening. And so it's, it's just a weird dynamic with the 49ers in relation to other NFL teams where the expectation maybe isn't as high, at least outwardly. I don't know. It's just, it's more of like a feeling thing. Do you, do you, Get that feeling? I do, yeah. And, and the feeling is probably just the best way to put it. And it goes back to like the, some of the teams that we were talking about. Just the expectation. Like, that matters. And that's not going to go anywhere. Whether it's nostalgia. Um, but it's here to stay. One of the parts that – probably my favorite part of the conversation, and just in football in general, is when we get to talk about actual football things. And Shane Hannah McVay did a great job of that, where they were talking about the plays that they run and um, they were talking about the plays that they regret. And naturally, the Falcons Super Bowl came up and I thought it was interesting to say both both guys were just talking about how, first of all, you know, we don't just run the ball to run the ball. We don't pass the ball to pass the ball. It's, it's based on the fronts, the situations, the down and distance. And they're playing to win and they're not playing to lose. And that's where the play calls come into play. And they're not. They're not worried about, you know, the backlash from media and the fans because you can't think like that. They're, they don't worry about the reaction. And just to hear them talk through the plays and their thought process, I loved hearing that part. Um, I I would listen to an entire podcast daily uh, of those two if they were just talking about actual football things, whether, um, you know, he's talking about the plays where they had a lot of success in 2019 where they were just running certain plays to Debo Samuel. It was a, a reverse rail route, I believe it was, is what he called it. And then he said teams adjusted in 2020, and it took him till game six to kind of ax that and take that take that play call out of the playbook. So just that part of you know the whole football thing was fascinating to me. I, I love that part. What would you think about th- those two uh, talking about that, especially um, in the Super Bowl where they're talking about you know running and passing? Because that – Kyle Shannon gets still to today. It's 20 – they went to the Super Bowl, what, 2016, 2017? It's 2021. And people are still saying, you should have ran the ball more. And he said, well, we ran the ball more than we threw the ball. Uh, again, it, it comes back to situations and how they were stopped before, second and 10, all that. I, I love that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, man, it was awesome. And I wish I, I could play the audio from that clip right now because it was he just broke down. He gets so much heat for how he called that Falcon Super Bowl. And then you just listen to him break it down and you're like, huh. Makes sense. You know, like you're like, and of course that's, that would be your reaction. Like it's Kyle Shanahan, the guy that knows what the hell he's doing, breaking it down rather than people on Twitter with, with 140 characters that are just like, Hey, you should have, you should have, you should have ran the ball. Like, you know, like you, when you listen to Kyle Shanahan talk about it, you, you get a, get a, a, you know, not a firsthand glimpse, but, you know, in the, a glimpse into his mind's eye of why he did the things he did. And and he knew that he needed to run the ball. And they ran the ball more in the second half. And, you know, they're trying to put the game away. And they're running on first down and gaining zero yards. And it's second and ten. And then he talked about the fact that Julio Jones makes that catch. And, he's, and Kyle Shanahan was like, holy shit, Julio's dominating. Let's draw up another play to Julio. And they run it on first down. And get no yards, second and 10. They try to go to Julio because Julio's dominating. Why would you not go to him? And they double covered him and immediately took that away. And that's when Matt Ryan got sacked. And all of a sudden, now you're out of field goal range. And, you know, it was like a worst case scenario thing. And you've got nothing, nowhere to go from there. And then the next drive, you you know, you you want to run, but you're gaining no yards running the ball. So you can't just keep running the ball. And especially when you're trying to put a game away, you're not just trying to like barely survive. Like you're trying to win the damn game and, you know, kind of do it on your own terms. And then, you know, he talked about how they had that first down to Muhammad Sanu. That was a 12 yard game. First down wiped out by a holding call that he didn't really even really feel was much of a hold. And now you're backed up again. And and it's like, how can you continue to run the ball in this type of situation? So it was, and obviously he breaks it down in way more detail than me. You just get out there and listen to it. It, it makes sense when he says it, but it, it, he kind of talked about the frame of mind. He's, he kind of when he goes back and looks at games, not only is he evaluating his play calling, but he's evaluating the frame of mind that he was in when he was making that play call. Why he did it? Can he look back on it and justify it, or was he making that play call for the wrong reasons? It was just really, really interesting because he just basically said like. You want to be able to justify it to yourself afterwards and know that you're making that play call for a very, very specific reasons that you're going to be able to reconcile afterwards and not just like, oh, well, I was trying to put the game away. You know, like to Kyle Shanahan, that in and of itself is not a reason to call play. Like you need to have basically the defense has to be giving you something. There has to be something going on that's really kind of guiding it. And that's what he, his overall point was is the game was dictating in ways the calls he was making and to just simply say, Oh, well they should have ran it. doesn't really fit with what was happening on the field at all. At all. It, I you go it. back and watch that. Like just when he talked about crazy. Julio, he talked about drawing up the play for Julio, as you mentioned, 
Julio was rolling. I am team. Get the ball to your best players. It's very simple in this sport because those are the guys who win you football games. And in his mindset, he knew Julio was hot. So he's going to give him the ball. He said right away, as soon as the ball was snapped, the defense took him away. There's nothing you can do about that. So naturally, when a play doesn't work, it's easy for us in hindsight to say, oh, why didn't you run the ball? Why didn't you do this? Why wouldn't you throw it the other way? Any sort of direction because a play doesn't work. But that's just not how this works because these dudes, I don't think people understand how much work prep time goes into this. Um, just the tendencies, what, you know, he mentioned the whole down and distance thing where if they were they were stopped in previous possession, so he thought maybe it would work passing the ball here. It just it ignores so much when we just focus on that one play. And we do it for uh, Super Bowl 54 in the fourth quarter when we always talk about um, people still to this day say, gosh, and I should have ran the ball more. But it ignores the fact that their receivers like wide open. So why would you? Uh, you want to change it up. You want to keep the defense honest. And it's a numbers game. And McVay talked about that, too, where. You know, you just want to manipulate it. And if you have a numbers advantage, you're not going to run the ball. You're not going to pass the ball in certain field zones areas. Uh, I, man, I, I wish that we could just print and just pin these tweets uh, <laughs> for a lot of the conversation that they had because it would eliminate so much of uh, the discourse that is on the Internet. Um, instead, we're stuck with QB wins, though. <laughs> right. It's like – it's. And, he, and he, Sean McVay even mentioned the Seahawks uh, throwing on the one-yard line. And and even Sean McVay, in that moment, in 30 seconds, was able to kind of put in question everybody saying that they should have ran the ball. And and I'm, I'm still of that opinion. You got Marshawn Lynch. But Sean McVay immediately was like, dude, they could have ran the ball, even though they known they would have had a defender running free. And could Marshawn Lynch have ran over him? Maybe. Um, but to me, the sounder play call was to do, you know, a scrape or whatever you called it concept or, you know, a pick, a pick route against one on man on man coverage. And in that situation or in the, the, with the defense, what was giving him what the offense was doing, that's a high success situation. You know, to me, that was a good play call. And, and obviously I'm still sitting here saying they should have ran the ball with Marshawn Lynch, but it just goes to show you like these guys are in that position for a reason. They know a lot about football and there's usually pretty good reasons why they do things. And it there's like what's what sucks about social media and about Twitter, especially when it comes to football, is there's like 100 things that go into a decision and then Twitter turns around and breaks it down to two. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Like if it was a if it was a run they should have passed it. If it was a pass they should have ran it. When in a head coach's mind, there's so many different things that go into that decision in that moment that don't even get contemplated on social media. And that's kind of what Kyle and Sean were saying. Like, there's a lot that goes into this shit. And sure, that it's not to say that NFL head coaches don't make mistakes. They make mistakes all the time. But there's a lot more that goes into it than, oh, well, you should have ran it. Like, yeah. oh, cool, man. Thanks. So they, they study these teams and they come up with play calls for – you know, first down for second and short for second and medium for like all these different situations, scenarios, and then they narrow down to those plays. So um, if they ran one play and it didn't work the time before, they're going to try another one of those five, six, seven, however many plays it is for that scenario. So we ignore that context. We also ignore them potentially setting a, a play up for later on in the game or just coming back to it from previously, like just so many different variables that we ignore and, why that i guess i don't know man why? 
It takes to it takes a lot. I mean, it genuinely takes a, a decent amount of effort to learn that much about the game. That to is fair. you know, it takes a lot of effort to to you have to make the effort to learn the game, to understand situations, to understand what could be going into this this decision in this moment. And a lot of people just don't want to put in that kind of work to get to that level of understanding. And I get it. I don't blame anybody for that. That's like saying, you know, like you want to put all in the work that it takes to be a head coach, but you're not going to get any of the the head coaching part of it. You're just going to know shit like, cool, man, that's awesome. Um, so it was, it was just a cool conversation. And another kind of like the last little dynamic that I noted on here. Well, no, I mean, there's a couple more. Obviously, something you got to talk about is Mac Jones versus Trey Lance. Yes. And it really nothing new came out of it. I would say, but I mean, the most interesting thing to me, and it's not crazy, is is Sean McVay felt like Atlanta, and even Sean McVay said that Kyle Shanahan would be lying if he said no. Atlanta felt like there was a decent chance that Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers were going to take Kyle Pitts at three. Yeah, that was interesting. And I mean... Would it would I have been surprised? Yes, but would I have been like upset or felt like it was negligence? No, not really. Like I, I would answer that question also. Yes, <laughs> it it's like it would be nuts. It'd be crazy, but it's like I don't know, man. You got to think Kyle Pitts is really good, but a lot of people think he's really good, and he is really good. So it's like that would be the ultimate like. Like we're, I'm turning this car around right now. Like we are not taking a quarterback. We're getting somebody we think is going to be an all pro tight end right out the gate. And we're rolling with Jimmy like, damn dude, that, what a what a mind twist that would have been. I think the one thing that stood out just in this conversation too, is that Kyle's gone out of his way a couple of times to kind of prop up Mac Jones and say that he did deserve to be in the conversation at number three, because right. he was that good of a player. He said, quote, He's that good of a player, and he put it on tape all year, and everyone didn't want me to relate to him because, you know, we're talking about Kirk Cousins. And he said, that's only the guy I was openly going after free agency. He said, but Trey, just Trey Lance, brought another element, and it doesn't mean he's better or worse. It just means that it's another element that over the course of studying, it really intrigued us, and that's the direction that we felt like we wanted to go. Um, so, yeah, that the whole dynamic thing between Trey Lance adding another, you know, with his legs and Mac Jones. I was watching uh, some early 2019 49ers, and they were running a ton of bootlegs, rollouts, misdirection with Jimmy. That didn't happen last year for obvious reasons. You know, he was hurt. But getting back to that, and if Trey Lance is a quarterback, that will that made them very dangerous because, you know, getting they have they're so fast on offense that getting guys stepping one way and just letting them use their speed to go in another way and beat guys to the corner, that they created a lot of big plays that way, whether it was Debo Samuel, Richie James, Raheem Mostert. So Hopefully they can get back to um, some more misdirection plays, and, and that has a lot to do with Trey Lance, I'm sure. Well, it's not even it, – it's it's even more than that. Like, it's the ability to get back to that, you know, the misdirection, the rollouts, the quarterbacks. But it's even like an accelerated and hyper-dangerous version of that. Like, yes. all of a sudden, like, you know, when Jimmy rolls out, you create some movement in the defense. They're going to assume the play is kind of generally heading that way. But when Trey Lance rolls out, like not only is that movement still going to be there, but you're going to have a handful of defenders that are genuinely concerned that the play is going that way 
And if, if Trey Lance is giving it to somebody else on the, that side of the field, he's just taking it and he's going to go pick up a first down. You know, kind of like we've seen with Russell Wilson a million times. Like, he needs 10 yards, he's going to run 10 and a half and then run out of bounds. Like, there's so much more of a threat with Trey Lance that something could happen on the ground that was not there with Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo had a good enough arm and a fast enough release where he could make the play work and stuff, but there was never really a threat that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to do anything with it. No one really cared about that. But now all of a sudden, like that that outside linebacker or that same linebacker or whoever's over there that has that choice between kind of moving up towards Trey or backing up into coverage, that's going to be even more difficult for these guys because it's a 6'4", 230-pound quarterback that runs a 4'5 now. Like, good luck, hey, bro. Um, Have fun. Yeah. Have fun with that. You're screwed if you run main coverage. Cause so in that Steelers game, week three – Jimmy actually had a 20-yard run that was called back. I do not remember that at all. And just because the middle of the field was wide the hell open. So, of course, he's going to tug it down. And he had a couple other scrambles where it was a few yards here and there. But those are explosive plays for Trey Lance. And, yeah, you mentioned that, how he's going to be faster than essentially everybody at the second level. So, And he's going to be bigger than everybody at the third level. I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty interested to see how Kyle Shannon uses him. If they want him to, if we get into a situation where, um, well, they they're just showing the NFC Championship game on NFL Network tonight, where Seattle had a free runner, Cap kind of shakes him off, runs for a first down. It's not like a 50 yard run, but it's an 11 yard game. You move the six, and instead of a sack, you stay on the field. That is the big difference between these two. I, I feel like. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before Trey Lance stiff arms the shit out of a defender. Ooh, that clip is going to go viral. He's going to do it because he's just, he's not a, he's a big, I mean, you can sum it up to, he's not a bitch. Like he's, he's a <laughs> That's big a dude. That's a great t-shirt time right there. <laughs> I know, man. He, he's a big dude and he's got some power. And so I'm looking forward to, I mean, he put like, he was either a safety or corner. He's trucked a linebacker and he put a safety or a corner on the ground and he didn't get back up. And then he scored a touchdown. So I mean, he's going to give us give, give you know give this offense an element that they just are really like we haven't seen in a while, maybe since Cap. But even then, Cap wasn't in Kyle Shanahan's offense, so right. there could be an even an even greater element to that. And when Kyle Shanahan talked about the element that Trey Lance brought that Mac Jones didn't, I felt like the obvious answer was his athleticism and his legs. And that, that probably is the answer, you know, almost assuredly is, but I wonder, like, I wonder too, we've heard so much about Trey Lance's like work ethic, work ethic and like mental makeup. It wouldn't surprise me if that's what Kyle Shanahan was talking about. Like the obvious answer again is his athleticism and his ability to make plays on the ground. Kyle Shanahan's already said that. But it would be interesting if if the 49ers felt like that mental part of Trey Lance was just as much of a bonus or a positive element as the athleticism was. Just how you he know, loves like, football. Right. Yeah, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me if that was one of their main selling points. Because if you're going to draft a, a small, small-er school guy and one that has question marks when it comes to playing time and experience and competition – you're going to do it because you feel like the guy, he can't be denied at, at any level. You know, like it doesn't matter because you have so much confidence in that person's worth ethic and the way he approaches the game that he's, you know, you're going from 
North Dakota State till to professional football. And they're just like, I, I guarantee you, they're just confident he's going to be able to do it. So I don't think he gets enough credit for being a good pocket passer or knowing where to go with the football, which is word for word exactly what he said about um, Matthew Stafford. Trey Lance is exceptional about knowing where to go with the football and playing in the pocket. So I feel like that's another one. So if you just add all of these things up, it's easy to see why they did make the move for Lance. Um, it's just about how quick he's going to be ready. But we always talk about, or not us specifically, but there's a lot of people out there who think that Lance is just going to be like a sub-package player where they're going to give him, they're just going to let him run. Uh, I think we're just criminally underrating how good he was at going through his progressions and just playing the position of quarterback. Um, I keep saying knowing where to go with the football, but that that's really important, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense with the dudes running wide open all over the place. I'm, I want to see if uh, if we see just a different version. Well, it's going to be the offense is going to be different, um, but I want to see if it's it's more vertical than we're used to. You don't really get at really any level. Like you don't really get away with throwing thirty touchdowns and one interception without knowing where to go with the football. Like just the sheer odds would be totally against that happening, you know, and like at any level, like the, the guy obviously knows where to go with the football that. And, and what was interesting about that is even Sean McVay said the same thing that Kyle Shanahan's been saying. He's like, and it wasn't prompted by Kyle Shanahan. Sean McVay start, kind of started the conversation. He's like, well, you have to be able to win from the pocket. And then everything else is like a bonus on top of that. Right. And it was just interesting to hear him say that because Kyle Shanahan said the same damn thing a million times. And then we've heard everybody else kind of echo, echo that from Shanahan. And that kind of goes into what KP was just saying. Like it, it's not Trey Lance is a pocket quarterback that just happens to be really athletic. Like there's nothing about his game that's gimmick gimmicky. And, and this is no slight at all, but he's not like Lamar Jackson. You know, like Lamar Jackson was a running quarterback that made throws every now and then. And, you know, to I don't want to put any – I'm not slighting him. He's he's made tons of throws in the NFL that were very impressive. Like, obviously, he still can do the damn thing. But that's not the way the 49ers viewed Trey Lance. Like, it's not – they're completely different animals. And, obviously, one was a back end of the first round and one was third overall. That'll tell you enough right there. But Yeah, no, I agree. And then the last thing that I had on here – um, that was interesting was just the dynamic between Sean and Kyle. Like you're talking about two people that consider themselves good friends and they've been completely muzzled by their jobs. Like they mentioned it multiple times. Even Sean McVay mentioned it when Kyle Shanahan officially left uh, the podcast and they were, it was just him and Peter talking like those guys cannot really, I mean, they can do small talk, but they were both very open and saying like, look, we won't tell each other shit. And we won't talk <laughs> about scheme. We won't talk about what we're coming up with. We won't talk. And and what's funny is Kyle Shanahan even said, like, and if someone slips and says something about their doing, the other person's just going to be up all night wondering if they told them that on purpose because they're really doing the opposite or they're really doing something to take advantage of it. It was just a super funny dynamic back and forth. And the fact that they were, you know, there was there was just this this balance of trying to maintain their friendship and the fact that they've known again known each other for so long but every one of their conversations has to be really guarded and yeah. really just refrain because i mean they're division rivals division opponents their jobs 
their employment is solely based on beating the other person. Not solely. Obviously, you have to beat the other teams, but the division is such a huge aspect of everything. And it, it, it all starts there. And so neither, you know, it's just a crazy dynamic to listen to them kind of tiptoe their way through it. Yeah, they're talking about, so they'll be at dinner. And even if it was like four or five months later and they're preparing for each other and, hey, did he say something at the combine? Like, did, did that cross my mind? So, uh, yeah, guarded on eggshells is exactly what you want. But they're, they're homies, too. Like, they're boys. They're cool with each other. And I wonder um, how, the, how difficult that is because they work, they work with each other for, what, a few years, right? It, was, it wasn't like they worked with each other for one season. And, and they were working on offense. They were game planning together. They're on the same freaking headset. <laughs> for a few straight seasons. So it's not like they don't know each other. So I think that just makes this all so fascinating to see. And man, they're going to be around for a long time. I feel like, so uh, it's, it's only going to get better. And hopefully, man, hopefully we get blessed with another podcast like this between those two, because the amount of information that we got in just like an hour and 10 minutes or however long it was when Kyle Shanahan was on was just invaluable. Yeah, it was, man. It was. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And a lot of times when I have to jump on and listen to a specific podcast because of, you know, a specific little bit of information that I have to get through uh, or, you know, and hear the context of, you kind of just kind of skip through the podcast and you're like, okay, let's get to the part I want to hear. And in this case, it, I just press play and let it roll. And at no point did I want to uh, skip to some, to, to some other part because it was just really, really interesting. So again, I highly, highly recommend, don't just take our word for it. Don't just kind of take our summary and, and run with it. Go listen to it. It's really cool. And and bottom line, I think you'll have a new respect for Kyle Shanahan and how honest and open he is about his entire situation. Uh, you'll probably have a new respect for Sean McVay and just the way he looks at things and kind of how and him and, him and his, his relationship with Kyle Shanahan. And it's just really cool. It was really cool. I really enjoyed it. So again, yeah. I'm, I'm you recommending. Like football, you got anything else that we? Uh, right. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. You got anything else that we uh, we didn't bring up? No, that was it. I mean, Kyle Shannon obviously had the Fourth of July throw with Joe Staley. That's been dude. <laughs> what the? Uh, how the hell? Like, he and even Joe was so like, much. dude, that was his first try. <laughs> so you've seen? Have you seen Kyle throw the ball at training camp during practice? Yeah, it's I have. Not quite good. A bit. It is not good no, at all. Yeah. <laughs> he throws plenty of interceptions. So his reaction was somebody who is not used to completing passes. That's That was my main takeaway. Because he's just yeah, like, what yes. <laughs> Yeah, that was great, man. That was awesome to see. Um, but again, just yeah. being a genuine person, getting to see these different sides of Shanahan, knowing that, you know, he's not just this rah-rah in your face going to yell. Um, to see that he what he's like outside of the football field was pretty cool to see. Well, in addition to Staley talking about that throw, Staley also said that Shanahan's been trying to get him over there to coach uh, for the 49ers as some type of assistant. Obviously, one can assume offensive line, um, which I think is cool. And, and Staley was honest about it. He said, I'm not ready to do that. I'm enjoying my time with my family. My daughters are young. I'm getting to spend a lot of time with them, uh, especially during all this COVID stuff. You know, they've probably been home the majority of the time. So you feel like you just get a ton of time with your family, but it also kind of seems like something that's inevitable. No, like it, it seems like it's only a matter of time before Joe Staley comes and coaches. Like if, if Kyle Shanahan's already pressuring him, I don't know how long Joe Staley's going to be able to hold off 
I mean, he can hold off as long, as long as he wants to really with, you know, he's got retirement and obviously he made a ton of money, but uh, it just seems like it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if that just happened. It just seems like kind of a natural fit. Just when he's just ready. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it It's going to happen. I imagine too. And then in like a sentence or two, um, do you think the 49ers are going to be in on uh, Nikhil Harry at all? Um, that's tough, man, because they were hev- like, this is not to brag or anything when I mentioned this. Like, I was at Arizona State's Pro Day. So was John Lynch. So was Adam Peters. And they were looking at him heavily. And every, I mean, this is not the first time saying this. People have said that they were going to probably take him had uh, the Patriots, you know, not select him in the first round. I, I imagine they're going to pick up the phone because they do that with anybody. It's just about, you know, hey, are you going to take this day three conditional pick, uh, pick swap? player swap, whoever it may be. So I think they will, but I don't think it's going to be. They're not going to get into any sort of bidding war at all. No, yeah, I agree. I think if they could get – I think their their ceiling would probably be like a fifth-round pick, like absolute ceiling, like, and they probably don't even want to go there. Yeah, it, 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 I can't see it being too crazy. But, you know, that would be an interesting option, especially at the slot position where they kind of – you know, the, the opening, I guess you could say right now, if 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 Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are healthy, you've got that slot thing. And Nikhil Harry seems like he'd make a decent big slot. You know, it's somebody that would step in and be a younger version of what whatever they would try to get from Muhammad Sanu there or whatever. Yeah. So I do think um, he's a better fit than people are giving credit for just because, you know, it hasn't worked out in New England. And I think that, you know, Kyle Shanahan would even be willing to give him, you know, some carries because he was dynamic at Arizona State. Uh, and just, you know, that big power slot. So I, I think it, there would be a fit. And it's not as if the 49ers are stacked after we get past uh, Debo and Ayuk, too. So. Well, and then the last thing I'll say before we roll out of here is Kyle Shanahan did touch on how John Lynch got part of the equation. Uh, it wasn't something that it, it wasn't something that they had planned. You know, it was like John Lynch knowing that Kyle Shanahan was in the running for the San Francisco job, basically called him and, well, text him, said, call me. They talked and was like, look, dude, like this, this broadcasting stuff is not enough for me. Like, like we broadcast these games and then, you know, we just go home. And I, I don't like, he literally Kyle said that John Lynch literally was like, this is not enough for me. I need to be a part of a team. I need to have a say in what happens. And, I'm sure some of that fire was stoked during his time in Denver. Um, and Kyle Shanahan just kind of talked about John Lynch. I think he, what did he call him? He called him Captain America. What did he yeah, call him? He said he's a Captain America because he's the nicest guy. He, he didn't think it was possible because, you know, he played with such like a reckless, like a big hitter guy. The, and off the field, he's just not that kind of guy at all. No, I and I'm even spoken to, to John Lynch. I ran into him in the little elevator that takes you up to the media room, and he, in in like 30 seconds of time, seemed genuinely interested in what I was doing. And he's like, "Oh, you coach, you coach middle school football? That's awesome. How's that going?" Like, you know, he just seemed like a good dude. And and Kyle Shanahan joked about the fact that he was just one of the most violent football players he'd ever seen, um, but was one of the nicest dudes, and obviously had a Hall of Fame career. And he, Kyle Shanahan, just said that the way John Lynch approached him. And the way he described wanting to do it, that he wanted the job for all the right reasons. You know, like it wasn't about any type of status or, you know, clout or anything like that. It was just a genuine desire to be with a team and and 
be a part of winning or rebuilding or whatever. It was just a cool little tidbit. They didn't talk about it very much. Um, but it was just cool to know that that was something that was almost a lot more natural, you know, that in the way it occurred than kind of what I believed. You know, like it, John Lynch was like, hey, man, hit me up. I want to talk to you about something. Can I be your GM? This is why. And Kyle Shannon was like, yeah, it sounds good. Like, you know, like it's just it's just funny. Like homies talking about football. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Hopefully, again, if we can talk about this podcast for almost as long as the podcast itself was, then you should know that it was pretty it's worth your time. It's worth your while. It was very entertaining. Uh, KP, any last little uh, any last little words? We're getting closer. That's it, man. Can't wait. Thirty first is are, coming dude. up. Three Saturdays. We're starting I to see. Yeah, we're starting to see those those little memes that say like, "This is the last month without football until yeah. March." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, I can get on board with that. All right. Um. So yeah, we're getting closer, dude. We're almost there. A couple weeks from a few weeks from training camp, and and then we're rolling. To me, that's it. Once you get to training camp, it's like it, we're rolling. It, it's time, sell. you know. At, at that time, at, at that point, it's going. So, all right, everybody, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Striking Gold podcast. Make sure you're subscribing, reviewing, rating, downloading, uh, liking, whatever it is you got to do out there. Y'all know this story. Uh, make sure you're doing that. Support the pod. Keep supporting the pod. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Um, follow KP on Twitter at KP underscore show. Follow me on Twitter at Rob underscore louder for all of the tantalizing and entertaining tweets. I don't even know when the last time I I tweeted was. So um, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Y'all already know what it is. That's KP. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we are signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.